What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's August 6, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn episode 47. In this episode, I'll be talking about how you can eat out and still stay on top of your health goals, and if you should be supplementing with protein powders. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Alright, so let's kick things off with more Olympics 2020. And Canada now has 17 medals at the Olympic Games, so we might as well just kick off the podcast with a quick little recap. So, a quick bronze up first, and that was Lorianne Genet ended up getting a bronze in a cycling event, which was pretty cool to see. And finally, a male athlete got a medal, and it was a bronze medal, and that was by Andre de Grasse, who's, you know, you might have seen him all over the advertisements. He did not disappoint. So this was the first men's medal at this year's Olympics, finally. He was running in the 8th lane for this 100 meter race, and he had a slow start, but he turned it up towards the end and ended up grabbing that bronze medal. Italy actually ended up winning gold in that event, and that was actually the first time that Italy has won it, if I'm not mistaken. The 100 meter is usually an event where the Jamaicans have just been dominating, but they weren't even on the podium this year. The women's swim team also got another few medals. A few days ago, they got the 4x100 medley relay bronze medal. And since Penny Oleksiak was on that team, she became the most decorated Canadian in Olympics history with seven medals. And she actually added that uh, most decorated Canadian Olympian into her Instagram bio, which is pretty cool. She's also only 21, so if she could do the 2024 Olympics, maybe she can get a few more medals before she retires. And the other swimmer medal was by Kylie Mass in the 200 meter backstroke. She got a silver medal there, and she also got silver last week in the 100 meter backstroke too. Alright, so there was actually another silver medal. And yes, it is getting hard to keep up with the Canadian medal count, but it's all good. So this one was by Lorenz Vincent Lapointe in what was likely her last Olympic Games, she got silver in the canoe sprint. And honestly, this one looks intense. It's literally just one person in a canoe... Canoe. Literally just one person in a canoe paddling as fast as they can in a straight line. That one looks really difficult, so congrats to her. Those women in that event just... I mean, they're bigger than me, and their backs just look massive. 
So gold medals, and there were actually two, or I don't know, I think there was three actually this week. So the women ended up getting gold in the rowing event where there were eight of them. I watched that event and it just looks absolutely exhausting. And Andre de Grasse also conquered. This time he won gold in the 200 meter race. That was, I'm pretty sure, the fastest he's ever ran the 200 meter officially. It was a Canadian record, and I think it was, he ran it in 19.62. I think that's what the time was. And let's move on to the decathlon, which is that Olympic event where they do like 10 different events. I mean, if you really look at it, the decathlon basically showcases the best all-around athlete at the Olympics. It's not just training for one event. There's 10 of them that you got to kind of be a master at all of them. And a Canadian actually won it this year. Damien Warner from London, Ontario, I think. He actually won gold while setting multiple personal and Olympic records, which was just an overall amazing showing from him. I think the final was just yesterday, but doing it under all that heat too... I think at some points it was mid-40s degrees Celsius, so it was a scorcher out there. I saw a few of the events, the 110 meter hurdles, the long jump, the discus, and I think the final event I saw, which was the uh, 1500 meters. But man, they have to do all of those, all 10 of those events over two days, which is just crazy. Plus, they even have to do, like, pole vault and javelin and stuff like that. So, it really does cover everything. And I think that's it for this week with the Canadian medals. But we could actually get a few more before the games wrap up this weekend. The Canadian soccer team is actually picking up some huge wins. They won in penalty shootouts against Brazil. And then they also ended up beating the USA 1-0 to too, which was an upset. So yeah, there's still a few more chances for a few more medals before Sunday, which is the end. Today, actually, when this podcast comes out, Friday, that's the gold medal game in soccer for the women's. They're playing Sweden. There's also a 4x400 meter race for the women's and also the 4x100 for the men's where Andre de Grasse is the anchor. And honestly, that could be a huge win if Canada could come up with a 4x100 victory. That's usually one of the more hyped events, and this year USA didn't even make the finals. <laughs> Suckers. So last week I mentioned that Philippines got their first medal last week in weightlifting. And Qatar also managed to do the same, and they got their first medal in weightlifting too. And that was by Fares El Bak, who actually goes by Meso Hasona on Instagram. He competed in the 96 kilogram class this year and managed to snatch 177 kilograms and clean and jerk 225 kilograms, which was an Olympic record. And his total was 402 kilograms, which is also an Olympic record. So well-deserved gold medal for him. Qatar actually got another gold medal as well, and it was actually in high jump, which was a pretty amazing story, actually. I don't know if anyone listening to this saw the high jump final, but 
it was pretty cool to see there were two athletes who decided to share the gold medal. And that was Qatar's Mutaz Barshim. Oh, here we go. I'm going to mess these up. And Italy's Gianmarco Tamberi. And they both jumped 2.37 meters, so 2 meters and 37 centimeters, but they ended up both failing 2.39 meters three times. And they could have just kept going, they could have had a jump off to decide one winner, but they actually decided to share the gold medal instead, or have two gold medal winners for this event. So that was pretty cool, and they're actually friends in real life. The Italy jumper broke his ankle before the Rio 2016 Olympics, so he couldn't compete. So there was even a little bit of redemption there too. Alright, so last thing. I think maybe the last thing before we move away from the Olympics. Man, there was this Chinese diver who won gold and she put on an absolute show. She was only 14 years old. I don't remember her name now, sorry. But she had some amazing dives with pretty much no splash. It was actually just insane. She had five dives to do and had two perfect dives. Pretty much three, though. It was unreal. Just look it up on YouTube and watch that. 14-year-old Chinese diver wins gold. Watch that. I'm pretty sure she broke an Olympic record and she made it look easy, too. And I think that's it about the Olympics for this week. I didn't really write any other point form notes and can't really think of anything else that pops out right now. So let's just move on from that. Earlier this week, I got to go to the Blue Jays game. I can't remember the last time I've been to a game. It must have been like four or five years now at this point. And the Blue Jays did end up losing, unfortunately, in extra innings. They lost five to two, but... It's all good because I got to see Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit his 34th home run of the year. So I got to witness a little bit of greatness there. I was planning on getting food at the game, but decided not to. So I just watched everything and took it all in. I'm not going to lie, though. Our section was pretty packed and everyone is supposed to wear their masks unless they're eating or something. But obviously that was not the case. Thankfully, the roof or the dome was open though, so at least there was a lot of air circulation going on. And I feel good a few days later, so I don't think I got that Delta variant in my body. Also, I was so close to catching a foul ball, like so close. So I sat with my family on the first base side, and I think it was this guy whose last name was Straw on the other team, Miles Straw. He had a foul ball so close to me, but it was just a little bit high. It ended up literally being one or two rows behind me, and the lady who was actually sitting right behind me, basically, she tried to catch it, and it went right off her hand. And she actually had to leave and get ice because her hand, or maybe I think it was her finger, it just got swollen. But it's all good. I don't care. I got to see one of Vladimir's career home runs. He could be a Hall of Famer someday, and he's pretty damn good right now, and he's only 22. Sky's the limit for him. And some super sad news for the Raptors fans this week. And this news actually broke during the game, while the Blue Jays game was in extra innings. And since the Blue Jays lost that game, that made Monday an even sadder day, since Kyle Lowry has been traded away. 
the greatest Raptor ever is now headed to Miami. The Raptors might end up getting back Goran Dragic and Precious Achua, but I think the exact trade details are still unknown, even though it's been a few days now. Apparently it could be a three-team deal, so we're still waiting on that news, and it's been like four days now, so there's still some movement that'll go on during the offseason. But still, Lowry leaving, that's going to sting for a little bit. And around the league in basketball, it looks like the Bulls have loaded up a little bit during the offseason. They're going to have Zach Levine, uh, DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and Nikola Vucevic. Pretty crazy team, actually. And they also picked up Alex Caruso from the Lakers, too. And for the Lakers, Dwight Howard is coming back. But also, there's a new big three in L.A., and that's going to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. I don't know if I mentioned this trade last week. They also picked up Kendrick Nunn and Carmelo as well, which is crazy. I still remember when I was in elementary school, I was arguing with some of my friends over who'd be the best player when their career is over, LeBron or Carmelo. At the time, I can't even do the math now on how long ago that was. I was Team Carmelo at that time. I already had two Mellow jerseys at this point, and I think it was in grade 7. And now I'm 30 years old, and I was having that argument when I was in elementary school. That's insane. And now they're on the same team. I mean, I don't know how well the team will do since they're lacking some knockdown three-point shooters, but... I would never bet against LeBron and what he's able to do with whatever team he has. And on to the Blackhawks news to finish it up. Newly acquired goalie Marc-Andre Fleury, although there were doubts that he'd play this year, he has decided that he will suit up this year, which makes things very interesting for Chicago. They have a pretty good team this year. They stacked up. Going for that cup, baby. But they're probably in the hardest division in hockey, so it'll be a tough season. But, hey, we got a good goalie, so that gives the Hawks a pretty good chance to do some damage this year. Question 1. How to eat out and stay healthy. I thought about this one over the weekend because I actually had a few days of quote-unquote eating bad. I had a few family gatherings to go to this past weekend, so there were potentially two out of three days where I couldn't really eat whatever I want or what I usually eat for a few meals. So I figured it would be a good time to talk about how you can still eat out and actually stay healthy or stay on top of your health goals still. And the first tip is a pretty easy one, and that's to drink lots of water. It's a good idea to try to consciously have your liquids before having some solid meals. This is an easy one that anyone could do, and that'll fill your stomach up a little bit before you start eating, and that'll just basically prevent you from overeating. And it should stop you from eating too many solid foods, which at a party or if you're going out, that could mean eating too many carb-heavy foods and foods that are just higher in fats than usual. Alright, so that was a pretty easy and quick first tip, and the second one is to consume or eat your proteins first. 
This one is another easy way for you to not overindulge in macronutrients like carbs or fat, since eating protein has several benefits compared to those other two macros. Protein will help build muscle, help repair your body, and will fill you up quicker as well. So before you go into having a meal full of multiple different carbs like maybe fried rice and Cantonese chow mein, which are those saucy noodles, those were my options this past weekend. Or maybe at your gatherings you might have mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, and stuff like that. There's usually multiple carb sources to choose from at your own family gatherings or just eating out in general. And yeah, the protein sources that are there are usually going to be higher fat than something like making your chicken breasts or thigh or fish or whatever you usually make in the oven. And that's okay. Still, having those protein sources could help you stay in more of a lower calorie range if you're worried about overindulging. Luckily, there weren't a crazy amount of desserts to eat like there are usually at my own family parties, but I did have two pieces of cake, one being an Oreo ice cream cake and a slice of red velvet cake, and those were just great. So a little side note, but I think it is useful for everyone to hear. Something to remember is that, you know, we're all humans, and... Sometimes our body will need that break from eating healthy all the time. If you're someone who regularly eats healthy or is pretty strict six or maybe even all seven days of the week. Sometimes it's good to have a little bit of a break and that's fine. It actually might benefit some people if you're someone who tracks every single meal and is pretty diligent about what you put into your body. Remember that you need a balance. And you need to enjoy this journey sometimes. Or you'll just create this bad relationship with food where you're just super strict and just end up kind of hating yourself because you're not enjoying what you're eating. So another tip for you, if you know you have no choice but to eat a little unhealthy, some preparation goes a long way and could help you in the long term. I still remember this one time where I was cutting a few years ago. I didn't prepare for this one meal we had as a family back in the day. We ended up going to some lunch buffet. And because I wasn't ready for it, I ended up not having a great time since I was just so strict on myself and decided not to eat too much that day. And honestly, I don't even remember what I ate that day. I just remember not being able to eat much since I didn't plan it out beforehand. And at that point, I was just too scared to go over my macros or calories because I was being super strict at the time. This is why preparation can make a huge difference if you know that you're going to eat later on in the day. For example, last Friday, I knew that my dinner was not going to be great. I knew for sure it would be takeout food. So I worked out in the morning, actually had more protein than usual for breakfast, I also had some vegetables for breakfast as well, which is pretty unusual for me. Since I knew it was unlikely that I'd have any vegetables for dinner, so I substituted some carbs for breakfast in favor of some vegetables. And for lunch, I decided to cut a bit further back on my carbs, again, up the vegetable intake for that meal, 
And I kept my protein pretty high as well because I knew that my dinner would be takeout food that was pretty likely going to be high in carbs and fat. So for dinner, I did end up having a few slices of pizza. I think I only had two though, nothing crazy. And then I also had two donuts and a cupcake. Now, yes, my calorie intake for that day might have been a bit higher than it usually was, maybe about 500 more than usual if I had to guess. But preparing myself for that meal and not going overboard with that cheap meal dinner per se, I didn't set myself back a crazy amount. Like, I could have possibly been over my intake like 2,000 calories if I didn't prepare myself for it and if I just went overboard. Overeating that day could have messed up the workout for the next day. Maybe my stomach could have felt upset or something. Or maybe I'd be more tired than usual, but the next day ended up just being a regular day. I ended up feeling fine. I didn't gain any unnecessary bloat or anything, so I just stuck to my usual meals on Saturday like nothing ever happened. Same thing happened last Sunday too. I knew that for lunch and dinner, I was likely going to have Chinese takeout since that's what my family usually does for birthdays and gatherings. So I knew that meant fried rice and chicken wings and deep fried squid with some dessert. So again, for breakfast, I actually had a very minimal amount of carbs for that morning. And I tried to, again, have some fruits and vegetables and some eggs in the morning for that higher protein intake. That way, when I got to the party, I could just implement what I said earlier. I had my fluids early, had some protein to start my meals before diving into the plate of fried rice. So before I actually set up an actual plate for myself, I was just casually snacking on some of the squid and some chicken wings. Now, those aren't the best protein selections out there, but that's what was available to me. But like I said, when you do get takeout, they're usually high in carbs, and in this case, a higher fat content than I'm used to. So I had my protein sources early, and then my plate was just fried rice and whatever protein was there. I did end up eating a lot that day, actually, but because I didn't eat too much in the morning, I had basically all my calorie availability that day. So again, I likely didn't go crazy overboard with my calorie intake. Again, the next day, the Monday, was just a normal day where I just ate what I usually ate and everything was fine. So just that tiny little bit of preparation could actually be a key or it could be pretty important when it comes to eating out and staying on top of your health goals. If I didn't have that preparation, I could have had too much food, which could result in me feeling groggy or tired or sluggish the next day. But preparing for a cheat meal like that could be something that you could do as well. Alright, so two more tips that could help you with this kind of a situation. And this one's a lot easier said than done, but just don't overeat. If you are going to eat out or eat at a fam jam or whatever, just don't overeat. Eat until you're about 75 to 80% full. And this is a pretty general rule that could be applied at all times, but especially at a family party, it is pretty common for people to eat more than they're used to because there's so much good food around. But this is just something to keep in mind. 
That's why I mentioned all of those other tips beforehand. All of the previous tips actually help you with this one. If you have your fluids or water beforehand, that could help you not overeat because the water will actually fill up your stomach and kind of give your brain the signal that you're fuller than you really are. Again, preparing helps here too. If you are at a fam jam where there are meals that you want to have, then choose a few that you want to have and have just a little bit of it. I knew I was going to have some cake later on in that day, so I made a fried rice plate that was actually smaller than usual because I wanted to save some of my calories for that. It's simple things like that that can make a huge difference in your overall health and if you're trying to achieve some physique goal. And the last thing I want to mention is that you should be checking the actual ingredients of the meal and the macronutrient content too. Just because you get a salad at somewhere like McDonald's doesn't mean it's a healthy option. That salad specifically is loaded with carbs and doused with lots of sauce, which will add an unnecessary amount of carbs and sugars as well. You might not be able to necessarily do this at a party. I mean, realistically, you're not going to bust out the food scale at a family party and start weighing out your meals. This is more for when you decide to get takeout, maybe at McDonald's or whatever other restaurant or fast food place you decide to eat at. The apps we have nowadays, like MyFitnessPal, they usually have whatever food you're going to buy if you just search it up. And they might not be 100% accurate, but it'll give you a good idea on what you're actually putting into your body. So, planning ahead when it comes to what you're going to eat is going to make a huge difference so that you won't be wondering the next day why you gained 5 pounds the next morning. You also have to remember that just because you gained 5 pounds on the scale the next morning, that doesn't mean that you just gained 5 pounds of all fat. There's other factors that go into it as well, like when you're having takeout, it's usually a higher sodium intake, so the next day you could get bloated from that extra water retention. So there you have it. A few tips to help you stay on top of your health goals while you're eating out. They're just something to keep in mind for the next time you do go out and try to enjoy the last few weeks of summer. Drink your fluids first. Have your proteins first. Prepare for the meal beforehand and actually do a minute of research on what you're going to eat and that should help you not go off the rails too much with one day of eating a little bit unhealthy, which will be fine in the long term. Question 2. Should I be supplementing with protein powders? So this topic I'm actually covering because a client asked me this one. As a personal trainer, I give clients workouts and routines to do, and we work together to try to control their diet and lifestyle a little bit so that they're able to live a higher quality life, and I just help them achieve whatever goals they have. So when it comes to looking and especially feeling better, protein intake is going to be pretty important when it comes to body composition. I've already mentioned before how 150 pounds at 20% body fat and 10% body fat look like, and they look completely different. That's why you can't just hop on the scale and take that number and feel like you've hit your goal. 
like most of the time people will have a goal to drop to a certain weight, like maybe 120 pounds, for example, since that's the weight they were in high school or something. And that's where they looked and felt like they actually liked the way they look. Well, you might notice that even before you get to that desired weight, if you're resistance training and eating right, you might look even better even before you drop to that desired weight goal that you set for yourself. And that's just because muscle and fat weigh differently and will appear differently on your body. Protein is going to be important in this case because it's an important part of eating that'll help build more muscle. And it's one of the macronutrients that you can track in order to gain muscle and trim down per se. Protein has multiple functions throughout your body. It'll help build and sustain muscle. You'll feel fuller for a longer amount of time eating it compared to something like carbs. It could also make your bones stronger and just overall just helps your body repair itself. So if you're new to training specifically, you might be thinking that protein powders are absolutely necessary and that's actually not the case at all and I'll get into that. I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that you should be eating a gram of protein per body weight. So if you're 150 pounds, you should generally be eating 150 grams of protein if you can. The thing is, for most people, that's going to be a huge change in their diet. And if you just immediately tell someone to increase their protein intake that much, or really any kind of huge or significant change for that matter it might not be sustainable over time. That means it's going to be harder to stick to in the long run because it is such a big change that you're forcing on yourself. There's actually more of a range of where your protein should fall under, like 0.6 grams to 1 gram of protein per body weight in pounds. Being in this range is going to ensure that you're getting a good amount of protein, to the point where you're able to build more muscle and reap all those benefits. Again, this is why tracking is so important. I've had so many clients over the years just start tracking their food intake for me, and it really opens their eyes to see exactly what they're eating. Usually I'll see diets loaded with carbs with a pretty high amount of fat and a pretty low amount of protein. So again, if you track for a little bit, you'll see exactly what you tend to eat, and then you can adjust it going forward. I said earlier that you should be eating 0.6 grams to 1 gram of protein per body weight in pounds, and if you're tracking, you may see that you're only eating 50 grams of protein a day, and I've seen some people eat even less than that daily. If you're 150 pounds and you're trying to get into that 0.6 to 1 gram range, then that means eating at least 90 grams of protein in order to get the most possible benefits. If you're eating less than 50 grams of protein a day and you're 150 pounds, and someone just tells you to eat 150 grams of protein a day, that's a three times increase in protein. Again, that probably won't be sustainable for long, so... At first, it would be a good idea to increase it just 10 or 20 grams of protein for a week and just see how that goes before adding more protein into your diet. Make those small increments and slowly inch your way up to get into that range if needed. 
So before you just go ahead online and buy a protein powder, it's better to get your protein by eating whole foods. A chicken breast or thigh could have about 20 to 30 grams of protein in it, depending on the size. And fish is about in that same range as well. So at first, try to instead increase your protein intake slowly with whole foods first before using protein powders to just take in all of your protein that way. If you get to a point where you can't eat the desired number of grams of protein, that's when you should be looking to get it in another way. So while it's not absolutely necessary for you to supplement with protein powders, it could actually help you hit that target goal a little bit more. Honestly, for myself, I ran out of protein, uh, protein powder a few weeks ago, and I haven't got around to ordering a new tub yet because I'm satisfied with my progress so far, and I'm able to eat at least 130 grams of protein a day through whole foods with chicken breast, thighs, legs sometimes. I have eggs, tilapia, or haddock, or salmon, some pea meal bacon, or some quinoa. And that gets me in that desired range that I'm personally looking for since I'm 175 pounds. So eating 130 grams of protein a day is, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good number. On some days though, like I said earlier, I wasn't able to really control my protein intake on Sunday because I was at a party. On that day, I did have a protein scoop, which is an easy way to get in around 100, oh sorry, 100, what, what am I talking about? <laughs> it was an easy way to get in around 20 to 25 grams of protein with just one scoop. So it's not necessary to have or take protein powder every single day, whether that be whey protein or whatever is suitable for you. Try to get your protein sources from whole foods first. Eat your protein. And then if you reach a point where you can't eat any more meat or whatever, that's when it could be time to look into getting a protein supplement. Regardless, I think everyone should have a tub or a protein powder tub handy just in case. You never know what could pop up when it comes to diet and what you're eating on a daily basis. Track your food at first and see what's lacking. If you notice that your protein is lower than what it should be, then try to make an effort to change and increase that. Again, it's not the end of the world if your protein is a bit low, but having a higher protein diet could help you from being over on calories because protein will fill you up more. It'll help make you stronger and reduce your body fat. Having protein powder isn't essential, but could be great on some days of the week because it is a good way to control and increase your protein intake very quickly. You just mix it with some water or milk or whatever works for you. And having an increased protein intake could make a huge difference when it comes to your overall health and well-being. And that concludes episode 47 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. 
If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.